All right, good morning, once again. Uh, welcome to worship. Good to have you with us. So we had a good Sunday school together and a good day to be in the house of the Lord. We are, as you can see, still finishing up Bible school. So we left up our uh, Bible school decorations for one last day as we finish Bible school. Now, if you want this lion, I'm afraid you cannot have it because Sandy's already claimed it. Am I right? All right. She was like all week long, I just want that lion. I was like, what are you going to do with it? I think she's going to put it out front and like scare people as they come to her house. All right. Anyway, uh, thank you, everybody, who did the decorations. Thank you for all the volunteers for this week. It's a wonderful week. God did tremendous things, and we love Vacation Bible School. So if you grab your bulletins, a few uh, announcements as we get started. On the back is a tear-off portion. If you're a guest, fill that out and uh, put in the offering plate when it goes by in the middle of the service, and we'll follow up with you about Mechanicsville Baptist. And then uh, on the yellow side, if you have any prayer requests, just put it at the bottom, and we'll pray Tuesday in our staff time for you. So um, on the back are opportunities for the week. Make mention that tonight, 5 o'clock, is the encounter service right here in the sanctuary, and we're going to start a study on... Uh, being supernatural Christians, so it's going to be exciting. And then uh, youth at six. This week is our youth reach week, which is our mission week. We're doing all kinds of ministries, so please keep us in prayer as we go to Caritas, feed more, campground ministry, uh, doorways, we're feeding hospital patients and families. Um, what else are we doing? We're having our picnic with the teenagers and doing homeless ministry as well. So it's a good week of ministry. Keep our group in prayer in all that God does together. Um, is there something I forgot, Tim? Okay, there's one more. Maybe not. All right, so Cindy, now the right time? Or are we doing that? Yes, now. All right, so Cindy's going to come up for our special recognition. Pastor Tim, will you join me at the podium? In the summer of 2009, Dr. Timothy Madison accepted the call from Mechanicsville Baptist Church and entered into a covenant relationship to serve as our pastor. Tim, we appreciate your guidance and service in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your wonderful pastoral care that goes above and beyond our congregation, but into our community as well. Today, we gratefully recognize your 10th anniversary with Mechanicsville Baptist Church and present you with a gift of our appreciation. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy, and thank you, church. Uh, ten years flies by, it seems like to me. I hope it feels that way for you. It's hard to believe it's been ten years. Uh, I'm grateful for the privilege to serve as your pastor, and it is a privilege. It's something that you trust me with, and I take it very seriously. And look forward to the years ahead as we continue to minister in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So thank you very much. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, personnel team. And thank you, church, for your love and support of me. And Janet, Janet got hung up in the nursery. I said, you need to be in here, Janet. She said, I'm hung up in the nursery. So uh, anyway, but thank you on behalf of her as well. All right, let's have a prayer for our pastor uh, celebrating this day. And then we will have our... VBS uh, music uh, start our call to worship. God, Father God, we do thank you for this day, for this special day that we can celebrate 10 years with Pastor Tim. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you are continuing to do. And so we give you praise uh, for this special time. And God, we just uh, pray you keep him in your hands and in your strength and in your will and all that is ahead in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were in Vacation Bible School, come on down and be right down in the front. All of the children who are in Vacation Bible School, come on down. And 
if you were a worker, we want you to come down too. <clears throat> I know some of you are out there. Come on. There you go. Workers. <laughs> I don't think they want to sing and dance in front of you guys this morning. They're a little shy. There they go. <laughs> All right. So we're going to have the... We're going to have the words up here, is that correct? Yes, we'll have the words up here. Pretty catchy tunes, so hopefully you will hear the tune and you'll sing along with us. And um, I'm going to be up front here to help the little ones remember their little moves. I don't know why those grown-ups are sitting down and not standing up. What is... Uh, uh, mm, I declare, look at that. All right. Okay, can I scoot back?
the service. Okay, that's right. Well, before I do the invocation, um, did want to make mention we are having an Awana's leadership meeting, which is just trying to keep momentum from Bible school. Not this next Sunday, but the following Sunday. So two weeks right after this service, we're going to meet right here for an Awana's meeting, uh, which is what day is that? That's 25th or 20, 25th. So Sunday the 25th at noon, and Awana's meeting right here. We, we had a wonderful time with the kids, wonderful time, great help. The church came together for Bible school, and we want to continue to minister to our children as best as possible. So let's continue uh, worship as we pray for God uh, to move in this service. God, I thank you that you are here with us this day, that you are at work amongst us, and that your Holy Spirit dwells in this place. God, we thank you for uh, our vacation Bible school this past week. We thank you for all the memories and all the laughter and all the uh, joy that was uh, found in this place. And we thank you most importantly that you were here, Jesus, and that we encountered you above all. So God, as we continue to move forward, we pray that we'd be a church that uh, loves one another, that loves our community, and that glorifies you in all that we do. So God, as we give you the rest of the service, we pray that your Holy Spirit would dwell in our songs, in uh, the message, and we pray that your truth would shine through uh, and uh, lead us as you guide. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. We're going to sing verses 1 and 4, number 172, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. We're going to sing verses 1 and 4. Please stand and sing with us this morning. hymnals open to responsive reading on page 334, the Spirit of God. I will read the worship leader. Uh, Paul will read along with the men and the worshipers, and then there are places for just the ladies as well. So page 334, the Spirit of God. Do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? The Spirit searches everything, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the concerns of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him? No one knows the concerns of God except the spirit of God. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now let us stand and sing hymn number 500, and we're going to sing verses 1 and 4 of Trust and Obey, verses 1 and 4. Please stand and sing with us. 
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you during this time of worship, uh, we just uh, come to you humbly, Lord. We thank you for the blessings that you bestowed upon us as a church, and we just pray that our offerings will uh, go out to spread the uh, love and hope of Jesus Christ in our community and across the world. Lord, we uh, thank you for the day. We thank you for this time of worship, and we look forward uh, to, to continuing to worship you together and listening to Pastor Tim's message this morning. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Our scripture lesson this morning is found in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. Shall we pray? Gracious and eternal God, into your presence we bow on a day that you have given to us to worship and to praise your name, to study, to show ourselves approved before you, so that we might learn and that we might grow. We pray, Father, that you will open our minds and our hearts to hearing your word. We pray, Father, for those who are ill and who are facing difficult days ahead. For those who've had surgery and are recuperating and for those, Father, who are anticipating surgery. For those who have lost loved ones, we pray as well. May your spirit bring comfort and strength and assurance. We thank you for Bible school this past week and the seeds that were sown in the lives of children. Thank you for all those who gave of their time and of their effort to come and to tell. We're thankful for missionaries, Father, who go and tell here and around the world. We're thankful that we can pray and that we can give so that our influence can go to places around the world that we have never been and will never go. And yet your word is there because your people are faithful. Bless us, Father, as we seek to hear from you. In the name of Jesus, amen. The young woman was upset. She had tried to get rid of the roaches in her apartment for weeks to no avail. It seemed that every two roaches replaced every one she killed. One evening, while listening to her radio, she heard an advertisement for a new method guaranteed to eliminate the insects she battled every day. In only a few days, the postman brought her miracle product. Eagerly, she unwrapped the package, then stood astonished as her eyes fell on two one-inch pieces of board. Instruction sheet gave these directions. Place the roach in the middle of bottom board and then firmly press down on the roach with the top board. What the young woman received was not at all what she had expected. She had been duped by misleading advertising, advertising experience known all too well by most of us here this morning. But misleading advertisements or false promises are not new. They have been around since the beginning of time when the serpent identified in later Christian writing as Satan made false promises to Eve. The serpent had no concern for Eve's well-being. She was only a tool in the ongoing battle by Satan to lure people away from fellowship with God. All of this is part of the story of Genesis chapter 3. First we see the promises of Satan. From the beginning the text tells us that the serpent is the craftiest animal that God had made. These initial words are like a warning for what is about to come. There is a rift coming in the perfect garden scene we read of in chapter 2. As we read on, I think we typically expect the serpent to pull a huge, obviously deceiving trick on Eve. 
Notice how he starts out this conversation with Eve in verse 1. Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Isn't it interesting how the serpent completely twists God's original statement to Adam and Eve into this question that on the surface looks like a simple misunderstanding. But remember... God's original statement in chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. This statement glows with the generosity of God. For He has given them an entire garden to enjoy, and He tells them to eat of any and every tree, and only tells them not to eat of one tree so that they will not die. However, Instead of referring Eve to the generosity of God, the serpent's question presumes that God is stingy and unreasonable. He ignores God's generosity and God's gift, puts her on the defensive, and causes her to start thinking about the one thing God had not made available to them. Before, Adam and Eve probably thought it was quite reasonable only to have to avoid one tree out of an entire garden. But now that the serpent brings it up, that really is pretty ridiculous that they cannot eat of that one tree. Though Eve is able to respond to the serpent's question, her response is weak and shows no awareness of the serpent's manipulation. Imagine if she would have responded with a bolder declaration of God's goodness to them and acceptance of God's command for them to not eat of the tree because of the consequences. Instead, she mildly corrects the serpent and keeps the conversation open. And Satan reels her in. First, he tells her the penalties won't come true. Most of us obey rules and regulations because we understand they are devised for our own benefit. For example, at a crosswalk, there are signs telling us when it is safe to walk and when it is unsafe. We obey those signs because we do not want to be hit by a car or be injured or killed. Occasionally, As we wait for the light to change, someone will walk out into the street, cars slow down, some even stop. Our minds begin to tell us we don't have to obey the walk and don't walk signs. We conclude that the cars will stop for us anyway. A matter of personal safety becomes nothing more than a game of bluff to see who will stop first. The cars or the pedestrians. Once the penalty of disobedience is removed, it is easier to disobey the rule. And that's exactly the first step Satan took with Eve. The second was, your eyes will be open. The same kinds of promises surround us today. Those trying to live a Christian life are constantly bombarded with messages claiming the power to introduce one to the real life. The appeals of drugs and alcohol and sex are widely known. Find a high, but participating in these, use them as avenues to know what life is really like. Other people use power, money, or authority to make themselves feel important at the expense of others. But the promise is the same. Think of yourself first, use other people, eat, drink, and be merry. Then your eyes will be open to what life is about. But we must be aware that Satan and the world put the very same attacks on us today. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, in reference to Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. It will not always be as obvious as someone literally asking a loaded question like this, though it may be. Attacks like this are often going to take place in our minds. God has placed us in a garden full of blessings and simply given us parameters for how to enjoy the blessings in a wise and godly way, yet... The worldly nature in us is not going to praise God for the blessings, but question God for the parameters as if God is trying to hold back. This is why it's so important to not look at the Bible as some kind of rule book of do's and don'ts. Not only does it misrepresent the Bible, but it causes us to look at God's wise parameters for us in a negative light. And then what is the next thing that Satan says, you will be like 
God. That's an appeal to the ego. All of us feel a little uncomfortable with ourselves. There are always those who are more talented or more attractive than us. Here Satan promised that by ignoring God. Eve will be like the one who cares for her and her husband. The one who fellowships with them each evening. Equality with God. That was the promise. And for Eve it was something to be grasped. And then the last thing. You will know good and evil. The force of the Hebrew word is not knowing good as opposed to evil. Rather is to know good at one end of the spectrum, evil at the other, and all things in between. Eve says, Satan, not only will you not die for eating the forbidden fruit, you will end up being just like God. You will know all there is to know. You will be in on life for the very first time. The price for this promised transformation, though, was disobedience to God. Satan had sowed doubt in Eve. And she wanted what she could not have. But aren't we all like that a little bit? What is the day that you crave Chick-fil-A the most? Sunday, isn't it? We all want what we cannot have. And that's exactly... See, you all know. I know. We, we all know that, don't we? We all are a little bit like Eve. We want what we're not supposed to have. But then we see the whole process of sin taking bloom here. Often I've approached this passage and seen only the defiant, rebellious act of disobedience by Adam and Eve. Yet disobedience does not spring up full grown without roots to support it. Disobedience is the climax of the process, the fruit of the plant. You see, Satan sowed seeds of doubt. The seeds were the doubts planted in Eve's mind. Doubts about God and about His care for her. He planted disbelief. The doubts sprouted and a plant of disbelief sprang up. The plant was fertilized by the false promises of the serpent and watered by Eve's own experiences. The tree offered her food. The food was pleasant to the eye and eating it appealed to her pride. She would be like God. Then we see the fruits of disobedience. Only then did disobedience occur. The process was complete. Eve bought the false promises of Satan with her disobedience to God. She chose. But what were the results of this disobedience? What Eve and Adam got was something very different than the promise to be like God and to know all things. They got personal shame. Adam and Eve had purchased shame at, at, their, at their wills. They looked at themselves and were embarrassed. They wanted to hide themselves, so they made fig leaf aprons to hide behind. They had an altered relationship. Adam and Eve also purchased an altered relationship with each other. Before their sin, they lived in an idealistic state in which they were helpers for each other. They were one in every sense of the word and without shame. Now, however, their sexual identity caused them to recognize differences for the first time. The oneness was replaced by separate physical identities. Instead of standing together, now each was out for himself or herself. For when God confronted them with their disobedience, what happened? Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. They had decided to take care of number one, hadn't they? Everything had changed. And it led to broken fellowship. Their relationship with God was changed. Instead of being like God, Adam and Eve were frightened by His presence. Instead of having fellowship with God, Adam and Eve hid from Him. Their disobedience had cost them the joyful presence of the One who called them into being and who sustained them day by day and who wanted to have unbroken fellowship with them. In one act of disobedience... Adam and Eve changed forever their relationship to themselves, to others, and to their God. Satan had promised more than he could deliver. His promises had been false. Adam and Eve had only been tools in the deceiver's war with God. And evil had prevailed. We have wars today. 
That war continues today in our private lives. The war continues in our private lives as we repeat the struggles of Adam and Eve. Will we believe God and live in obedience to His commands? Or will we believe the devil and disobey? Daily, this is the question we face in our family lives, in our business lives, in our political lives, in our spiritual lives. The pursuit of personal righteousness by God's people is a never-ending quest. At its core is the single question of obedience to God or believing the false promises of Satan. In our public life, the question is the same. Will we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness or will we go after other things? Our world is full of voices, some of them well-meaning, who attempt to equate the kingdom of God with some political state. Others declare that the work of God is dependent on preserving a particular type of economy. At the altar of patriotism, we are asked to bend our knees and worship. Yet God's kingdom has thrived under dictators as well as democracy. It has survived monarchies and anarchy. The sun has set on many empires, but the sun has yet to go down on the kingdom of God and His Son, our Savior. Don't be fooled by the world and Satan. We love our country. We sing its national anthem with pride. Our nation's achievements in the world are our achievements. And its shortcomings cause us grief just as they do our leaders. Yet to bow at the knee at any other altar than that altar of God is idolatry. As Christians, we hear the false promises of our public life and we must declare that our first allegiance is obedience to our God. To do any less would result in the same tragedy that disobedience brought to Adam and Eve. Thankfully, the scripture does not end in tragedy for the disobedience. Adam and Eve... Or you and me. Rather the story holds out the promise of a restored relationship between God and humans. Once that relationship is restored, barriers between brothers and sisters can be removed. And people can once again find peace within themselves. For this promise was fulfilled with the coming of Jesus of Nazareth, God's son. Through faith in Him, we too can become God's children. Through faith in Him, our disobedience can be forgiven. Through faith in Him, our hopelessness can turn to hope for the present and for eternity. Satan is going to try to tell us that God is holding us back from something. He will always use the world to paint God's commandment in such a negative, self-limiting light. Satan will always promise to make us like God's, but God is telling us it never pays off. When we make ourselves God's, we are telling the true God that we do not want or need Him or love His glory. God will accept our request and allow us to experience life without Him just like He allowed Adam and Eve to leave the garden. Then our eyes will be opened. And though we may have attained riches and experienced pleasure, we will be without our true Lord and without true life. We study these things because it is the essence of our fight against temptation. Satan every time is deceiving us to believe that what is promised will give us joy and satisfaction. And every time he hides the awful consequences of death. Because Paul reminds us that the wages of sin is death. Let us not be ignorant of Satan's schemes. They usually don't hit us where we expect it. He comes at us in a way that he can exploit our weaknesses and use them to deceive and destroy. If you are tired of buying the false promises of Satan, then today accept these gifts of God to all who believe, or as we sung earlier, trust and obey. Satan is out to destroy. He found a way, didn't he? To deceive Eve into believing that God was her enemy. But never forget what is said in the scripture. If God is for us, who shall be against us? 
And God is for us. Shall we pray? Eternal Father, we are grateful for this tragic story because it teaches us in ways that we need to be taught. It reminds us, Father, of the schemes of Satan, of his work in our midst. Help us to never take it lightly. Help us to constantly be reminded, Father, that your love for us outshines anything that would seek to come between your followers and you. Bless us, Father, as we give ourselves to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. The invitation is open to anyone who would receive Christ as Savior. You don't know what you're missing until you come to terms with Him. And He sets you on the right path. Temptation is real. Temptation destroys. Let us commit ourselves to listening to our Lord. Our invitation hymn is number 652, Jesus Loves Me. Will you stand as we sing? Thank you for being here today and a part of this service. And thank you for allowing me to spend this last decade with you. That's hard to believe, but that's how long it's been. And I look forward to our times together in the future. I continually pray for you, and I know that you pray for me. Um, I'm leaving on vacation here in a little while, heading to see Janet's parents in Franklin, Tennessee, and then back through the Smoky Mountains later in the week. So pray for us. Dwight will be speaking next Sunday morning in both services, and so be praying for him this week uh, as well as he leads in the services uh, next week. I waited till the end of the summer to take my vacation because of all that we've been had, had going on this summer. So uh, anyway, I look forward to uh, a few days away. 
Uh, I thought I had something else to tell you, and if I talked long enough, I'd remember, but uh, I guess not. Uh, for our benediction, let's sing a cappello, Jesus Loves Me. Okay? Let's sing. Jesus loves me.